Well, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Millennial Manhood. Today, I've got a really fun episode. I think it's going to be really fun. Hopefully, she agrees. But I've got Xi'an Chuan with me, and she is an entrepreneur, has worked in several different facets of both professional and personal life. And I'll let her introduce herself a little bit. So, Xi'an, if you want to give us just a a 10,000-foot view of who you are, what you do, a little bit about your background. Thank you, Yavitsa. It's a pleasure to be here. My name is Xi'an Chuan. I'm a leadership and career coach. I help people find their direction, clarity, purpose in their careers, within their lives. And I help employees and teams to be more engaged with what they do day to day, to do more of what they love, to match more of their skill sets and their strengths with a value and mission that serves them. I help align people individually as as well as within their teams and organizations at the end of the day. I want to see more people ignited, passionate, engaged, and really feeling like they're living up to their own potential and also supported by the workplace culture and and leadership that can, that also want to see them thrive. So I'm really a visionary that is hoping to see more change, more consciousness in our world so that we can work stronger more connected, more creative, more collaborative, more compassionate individuals and professionals. And as a result, do better, do more, and share more of our resources around the world. So I'm really about supporting and engaging the human spirit and being the best that we can be and helping us to work more together in a healthier, just way where we can all thrive. Mm, I love that. That was a a really good uh, background there. Um, you did mention a word and I'm always curious when people mention this word in particular, when somebody says they, they help people reach their potential. Potential is such a, there's a very clear definition of what potential is, but it's almost this abstract concept as well. So how do you define potential when you, when you use it in that way? Well, I let my clients define it. Everybody defines it a little bit differently and it really, you have to ask yourself, what part of you do you feel is unfulfilled? untapped, not used, not utilized. It might be your skills. You might feel like you're not really utilizing your strengths and your skills in your profession. You might feel like you've just been sitting back and not really taking charge and ownership of your career and needing to better define what that looks like. You might feel like you've done a lot of great things and achieved a lot in your career, but you're ready for something bigger and better. To scale and really to step up, to play bigger. So however that means to you on an individual level, your potential is essentially what you feel in your gut is needing to step up, to play bigger, and to really to speak your voice, your truth, and to live up to what you feel is more fulfilling and engaging. Mm. That's interesting. So... That's actually a good segue into, I wanted to go back a little bit, you know, when when you and I first met, uh, we talked a little bit about your background in particular in commercial real estate. And I believe, uh, I believe you said, I might be getting this wrong, but I think it was, you were working in Singapore. Was that? I was. Yeah. So, um, and you left that world, a world that a lot of people would consider, um, you know, a, a somewhat prestigious world from a professional standpoint, quote unquote. So just talk to us a little bit about your background on that front. Like, how'd you get into that world? What was it like? And what caused that transition from um, that space into the space that you're in now? 
Well, I've always followed my passion, which had a focus on helping people on individual level. So I started my career in human rights administration, wanting to focus on increasing um, the, due, the due process, you know, in our judicial system of human rights, of increasing um, resources within our society, social justice, all these, all these very high-level concepts that we all, you know, want to have in our world. But of course, I felt capped at that place because I didn't feel like my skills matched to where I was going. That was an academic route that required policymaking changes. And I felt like I wasn't necessarily suited for maybe 20, 30 years invested, hoping that I can make a change. So then I moved into the corporate sector within um, real estate services, but in service office space, hoping to work with more individuals, entrepreneurs, startups, companies who wanted to grow their market share, their, um, their business abroad. And that gave me an ability to work with a lot of people. I wanted to work mm -hmm. in sales and marketing because I felt like I wanted to be on the front line to really make a change. I wanted to feel like I can make a difference every day. I was longing for some KPIs that you can really see move um, versus sometimes policymaking and public interest can take a long time to see that kind of progress. And, and I felt like my soul wanted to just to see some improvement, you know, even if it's just serving a company or serving an individual or a startup. And when I integrated, I felt like my soul was yearning for bigger changes in the world that I wanted to see happen, but I couldn't identify what that looked like. But I also wanted to merge with my skills in terms of my ability to really connect with people, being able to build win-win situations, engage stakeholders, uh, build a team, lead a team. So I had to ask myself, how do I combine some of my more earthly, soulful desires with my skill set and with an area that I can hopefully have more interaction with people and make a bigger difference on their decision making as well as their lives. And so at that point, I was stressed out by my work. I felt like the workplace had a lot of room for improvement to treat employees better. I was, I was wondering why some people thrived and some people didn't. Why did some people really melt under stress and and company changes and challenges versus other people stuck it through so i started engaging a different part of me that was more interested in behavioral psychology and decision making you know if i can help a client sitting across the table to make a decision faster and better we'd all win if i can help a colleague to do better in a way that really motivates them we all win but clearly it's not that straightforward, yeah. right? There's a lot of disruption in our lives, in the workplace, every day, everywhere. So it became um, a focal point for me to understand how can I best serve and motivate other people so that they can make better decisions and so that we can all win together as a team, between the client and our business, to our stakeholders. And I wanted to see organizations thrive there were so many dysfunctional aspects of organizations that I've worked with that I felt like this is, this is not right. There's a lot of room for improvement, but why do I feel so far from it? And so it's from there that I transitioned into studying behavioral psychology, positive psychology, neuroscience. I got my master's certification in neurolinguistic programming, 
which teaches us the patterns of our minds, our brains, our language, our behavior, and how we can understand that to better control our outcomes, but also to communicate better and help others through challenges and times when they can't make a decision. There's a lot Hmm. behind that that is actually science-based, that's achievable, that's learnable, that's, that's usable in the workplace. So I felt I wanted to take some real skills and apply them in a practical setting, not in a clinical setting, but in a practical day-to-day setting where we can all thrive and be better in a business setting. It's professionally and personally. Mm-hmm. And so I shift, shifted my career, my direction to feel like I can really have the skills needed to better serve the people in my life, to serve people in the workplace. And hopefully make a better difference because I figured if I can't really change things on a global scale or systemic level, how can I change things now in the workplace with people I work with, with businesses, with clients? How can I change how we operate and how we do business? Because at the end of the day, we are all exchanging what we do for some sort of service or product, right? For other people to utilize. So how can I improve that process through human behavior, through communication, through being more effective and efficient, but really capturing the human spirit as well and realizing business is not separated from humanity that we have to integrate both. And so my work combines the spirit of human beings and how we think and how we operate with the productivity and efficiencies of business so that we can bring together the best services and products and offerings to share these things with the world, to share resources. I hope that <laughs> makes sense. No, that makes total sense. And as you're talking, it's almost as if, if, if I want to put it in the business lingo, is you're making each individual client that you work with more efficient in their day-to-day life <clears throat> because they're not being dragged down by either inefficient thoughts or negative self-talk or uh, they're, they're not fulfilled by work. So it, it, it's, it's almost as if, through the process of that self-development, we make society more efficient and we take steps in the right direction over and over. Yes. Yes. Yeah, but so you got it. So what are, you mentioned there are some key patterns uh, that our brain falls into. I mean, what are some of those? And I know it's a case by case basis, but um, can you elaborate? Sure. Um, I'll give you a few. There's plenty for some people, they've been on the same track in their careers all their life. Opportunities fell in their lap. You kind of just move into what's available, what's there, what might be fit your background, and there you are, 10 years, 20 years later, 30 years later. Some people are held back by wondering, wow, I'm now in this pandemic. The world is in chaos. We need to make changes. Where do I stand in this? What do I want to do with my time? And so one limitation in our minds is asking ourselves, is there something better we could be doing? Is what we're doing intentional? If we've been on the same track, how do we integrate what we've done with where we want to go? And so one limitation is, well, I've done the same thing all my life. And a question the client had was, am I really capitalizing on my potential if I've just kind of taken the back seat? I've loved different roles I've had, I've changed, but I don't know if, I'm doing what I should be doing, right? So there's a curiosity and a disconnect between, should I be here? Is this what I should be doing? Or am I just taking the easy route? 
Mm. Other clients are unfulfilled in their roles and something that keeps them from moving forward is comfort. You know, mm. this, this role plays well, it's stable. I don't really want to go through with my creative endeavors because that might not prove worthy of the marketplace or I might not be as successful. I don't believe in myself. I have all these challenges, you know, from staying focused, from being able to carry through just a lot of question marks around, can I be successful pursuing areas that I enjoy? What can I bring into my workplace as a, as my job versus what can I keep as a hobby? Mm. Other, other people, they have thoughts such as, you know, I, I've, had this job that I did really well and I thrived, but it burnt me out. I moved into another space that gave me more flexibility, time, ease, support, but it's not what I'm yearning to do. So how do I combine this? You know, that productivity and working in an area that I really thrive in, but does not burn out in the process. And how do I bring on a new way of living where I'm not pushed to my limits? And oftentimes in the mind, what stops people is a belief of, I've had to work so hard to get to where I am, I can't really stop. Mm. Or I've had to prove who I am to society because of what I've been taught and told. So I don't know how to how else to act. I've always been really proving that I am capable and that I deserve it. It's always mm. been a matter for some of my clients to get the front seat. They've always had to be that shining um, star, you know, whether it's how they were brought up or in the workplace. Some of them were underdogs. Others, they are, they feel a bit of shame. They might have um, not done their best in the last position or quickly changed through a reorg, through management, through leadership. They felt like their voice was not heard. Maybe they were furloughed. Maybe they were asked to leave. Maybe it wasn't meant for them. And they kind of lost sight of who am I in this process? You know, can I really do it? What is it that I want to do? And so that has to do with, in some cases, a need for the mind to say, yeah, you need to identify what areas of your past roles enabled you to not be in your best, in your best, enabling your best. You know, there might've been a reorg or bad leadership or a difficult manager, but in that process, you might've lost your voice. You might've forgot your values. You might have a need to give in with the company culture and forget what is my own authentic style. And so sometimes in the workplace, people forget what is their intention in the first place? What were their career goals? Because they go in so focused, something happens, shakes them up, you know, whether it's coronavirus, a furlough, bad leadership, a reorg, or just challenges and really breaking through their career. And then they forget like, what am I trying to do here? Mm. Can I still do that? Where do I go from here? And sometimes when you, you know, you don't kind of step into your own voice or your capability for so long, you forget it. Kind of step back and you're in this, okay, I'll let them do their thing. I'll just wait it out. Do you find sunk cost theory prevalent in in a lot of these conversations that you're having where people are basically saying like they want to make a change, but they feel like they've invested so much time and energy and effort into where they are now that it, that the the cognitive dissonance just will not let them make them make a change. Yes. Yes. I've, I've heard that with, um, 
different folks and it's it could be a question of that's fine if you want to wait it through right i've worked with clients who are waiting who are in a reorg and they want to see how things settle before determining their outcome or what they want that's fine too but even if you're at that place then determine what is it that you want to make out of the situation Mm. you know what is your intention what is your mission what are your skill sets how do you want to work with the team what role do you want to play is it you're going to observe first and then determine what kind of initiatives or projects you really want to lead but be intentional and decide whatever the situation is what are your terms what do you want to make out of it and if it doesn't go your way what else are you working on so you're not kind of putting your livelihood on the line and just waiting for things to happen have your path forward so you know how it fits so you mentioned earlier the the big question for some of these folks is is it a job or is it a hobby which I could see how that could be a blurry line. So how would you help somebody discover whether it's a job or whether it's a hobby? Because there's, I can personally tell you just from a lot of people that I know, people have a job that pays them and they hate their lives, but they've got passions outside of that job that they love, but they would drop that job in a heartbeat if they could go do that passion. I would say first focus on the overarching purpose, because if you know your mission and your purpose, you have various hobbies, skill sets, strengths, things that you can do and be a value in the marketplace to channel that purpose, right? So if your purpose is about empowering others and leaders, you might choose different channels that you can best voice your ideas. You can use different skill sets to mobilize that, to make that happen. And so see it as a bigger picture. It's not always black and white where you do either or. And know that if you move forward to the, towards the end goal, the bigger mission, these things will come together for you. It's sometimes just being able to even move forward and take baby steps that will just keep that mission in life alive in you to not feel like I either have to quit my job or engage in this passion project. So sometimes things come together in ways that we don't expect give it the space to do that, but ask yourself, what is the bigger intention behind these hobbies? So have you noticed, and I don't know really anything about your client base per se and the demographics of that client base, but when we talk about fulfillment at work and fulfillment in, in basically the mission of what you do every single day, have you noticed a difference in what, how that fulfillment manifests itself in, itself in between generations? Like for example, millennials 25 to, 30, to 39, 40, the Gen Xers, which are right above that, boomers. And I guess Gen Z hasn't really been in the workplace long enough to the conversation per se, because they just are now starting careers. But have you noticed any, any differences of how that fulfillment manifests itself? Well, it might be a different speed or expectation about what's norm and what's possible. I would say that's the difference in their baseline. Hmm. And so younger generations, I think, generally speaking, are willing to make change quicker to be in a role where their values and their skills line up more with the culture of the organization. And then they're, generally speaking, uh, my, the, those who are maybe 40 and up, they might be in a different generation where they've already put in their time, their skills, and they're not into a quick change, but they're really evaluating 
am I ready for a new chapter in my life where I am bringing this back to me? I've already kind of given everything I had to the workplace. How can I now bring this under one umbrella? So I think we go through different stages where we scale our skill sets, where we better understand our values and where we can contribute. And as we go through different generations, we kind of are in different stages of that and we have different expectations too in terms of how fast that happens. Mm. Definitely, I would say, generally speaking, um, younger generations are willing to make a quicker change versus older generations might say, well, I, I might be still paying my mortgage and I'm not sure if I want to take a risk. I've been in the same industry for 30 years now. I want to change, but I'm kind of starting from scratch. I don't know what that would look like. And they might be a little bit more hesitant to make a change, but others might also be ready, you know? So Mm -hmm. others might say, no, I've been always a high performing leader and I know I need to really bring it together even more for myself. So it's really a case by case basis. um, But overall, I would say it's more the values and our upbringing of different generations that you would see more in terms of what's expected of them and what they think is possible. Interesting. So you, you mentioned that they would say that I've always been a high performing leader and I hear the word leader a lot, especially in social media, especially in just cultural commentary, but you know, just having worked with folks, how would you describe the definition of, of a leader? For me personally, I would say if you are, you have a mission, you have an objective, you're in the workplace and you really want to scale those efforts by mobilizing the people around you to work together, Mm. to come together, to build something, to create something, to do something together. And you realize the importance of being able to play a role that can take the lead. You know, sometimes that might mean for a lot of the clients I work with, learning to step back and better delegate and to not feel like you have to do it all, that you have to take on the responsibility because it's more efficient for you to just get it done. Leadership also can mean, how can I be more intentional about where I wanna go? So I have a voice, I have direction that I can share with my team and the more transparent I am, then they know what they're doing as well. So that's how I'd break down what leadership means to me. I love, I love the mobilizing of people for a greater good concept. I mean, that that's probably the best way I've ever heard it described. I mean, a little light bulb just went off in my head when you said that and I was like, Oh, that's a perfect definition for it. Because what does it, it mean to you and how is that important to you? Leadership or that specific definition of leadership? That specific definition of mobilizing people. So I've thought a lot about that in the sense that, Again, to me, the word leader is overused when I'm, whether it's in self-help books or business books or whatever, like, like leaders do this. And I'm like, okay, but what is a leader? Like if you, you also can't proclaim yourself as a leader. Okay. (laughs) Like, I mean, you can to a degree, but not really. You have to, you have to be seen in a certain position by a certain group of people to be a leader. But the, the mobilizing of people, what's interesting to me is, um, is the idea that there's, that there's always a thought leader in some category that if they take action on those thoughts can, can mobilize people for a greater good. And that doesn't mean that if you're a quote leader, that you have to be a leader all of the time. 
Um, I might be a leader in a business sense, but if you threw me on an NFL field and told me to go, go call a play, I'd be like, I have no idea what's going on. I can't right, be a leader right. here. And I, and I don't have the credibility with the, with the players to, to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think a lot of that, and I guess part of what rubs me the wrong way about the whole term leader and how it's used in the business space is it assumes this static concept almost where you're either leader or you're not. Well, right. you could be a leader in one situation and not be a leader in another. Absolutely. You could be a leader in the kitchen. Yeah. Yeah. That's great stuff, right? Yeah. So, so there's, yeah. there's all kinds of different ways. And, and yeah. because I feel like we have the static definition of it, it almost creates this negative self-talk amongst people who might not be in a leadership position where we expect Absolutely. It. Absolutely. They, yeah. It could be they a don't yeah. People saying I don't qualify because I don't resonate with that word. I'm not it yet. But if you break it down, as you said, mobilizing people around you, then people can relate. All right. I could do that for these things. Yeah. So, so that was, that was a really interesting, like I said, a little light bulb went off when you, when you mentioned that. And, you know, speaking of thoughts, just, and thoughts are so incredibly important in our lives because our thoughts really do determine our lives. Um, Whether we like to admit that or not, but what are some of the thoughts that you come across with some of your clients that they're holding on to, like as these belief systems that are holding them back from really taking the next step in life? Many. If I show my true colors, I won't be supported. Mm. I haven't been supported in the past. I don't know if I can really come out and lead this next mission or endeavor, even though I really want to. I might get tired out. I might get burned out. I have a family to support. How do I balance both? Can I make space for both? Can I be stable and, and do well? It might be, I didn't thrive before in a certain situation. I'm held back because I'm not seeing myself in the best light. Can I do this? Hmm. Can I make that move? They could be held back saying, I just don't like what I'm doing day to day. I'm so stuck in it that I just can't even see past it. Hmm. It could be a question of, I've done different things. I like an aspect of this role. I like an aspect of this role, but what is next? Is it even out there? Does, yeah. it, does it exist where there is something that I can really thrive in? How do I bring those together? Different components of my personality, my interests. How do they come together? I've, I have so many hobbies, so many interests. I don't know how to define it. There's a lack of ability also to, in some people to define or articulate who they are as an identity, You know what they're driven by, mm. what they've done, their storyline. So there's a bit of confusion in terms of who am I? How does this fall under what I stand for, what I want to do? Can I do it? The identity thing is interesting because I think a lot of people fall into the trap of basing their identity on external factors rather than internal factors. Oh, I'm a Republican or, oh, I'm a Democrat or, oh, I'm a, you know, I'm a Catholic Mm -hmm. or Jew or whatever, you know, um, and that doesn't mean that those aspects are not important. That's not what I'm saying. Um, obviously, for example, somebody's religious beliefs can be incredibly dear and important to their life. Um, but it, it, it's if you don't have a strong internal foundation, it can almost be a crutch. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. Right. And, and that crutch is almost like when you don't have that strong base internally, then how do you, you know, you mentioned some of the terms, what happens if I show my true colors, I haven't been supported in the past, I've got a family, et cetera. If you've got a strong foundation and a strong why from within, you can figure out a solution to all of those. Absolutely. Um, so, um, yeah. oh, 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 
I want to sidetrack a little bit because I think this is really pertinent right now in this moment, but you know, how has COVID changed a lot of the conversations you're having? Because what I've seen just in the professional space is that COVID's really forced us into a world that a lot of people didn't think was possible. Um, and I also think a lot of people are starting to look at it and say, crap, you know, <laughs> I, I say this all the time to friends of mine. It's like out of all the people that have ever lived, literally out of the billions of people that have ever existed, out of the billions of people that will ever exist, it's yours and mine turn right now to be on this planet. And if we're lucky, we have 80 years, which is not a long time. So that's not a lot of time to hate my life doing what I do. Um, and I think the, the COVID-19 situation has allowed for a lot of people to sit down and actually think about what they want to do. So what have some of your experiences been? Some people are saying, wow, I have so much time to think about what I'm doing. What is my purpose or direction? Am I really enjoying what I do? Am I meant to be here? Other people feel like, wow, the company is stalled because of COVID. Maybe they took a pay cut or they don't feel like they're really contributing value and they're wondering where can I feel like I'm really providing value? What is my purpose? Yeah. What does that even mean? It's giving people the time to reflect and sit still with the reality and there's no place to go and to escape from it. And sometimes when we're, some of my clients are saying, when you're with your own thoughts, that's the scariest place to be. Mm but there's a lot of questions that they are facing and they're wanting answers. And so I see it as a good place to stop on their own tracks and to ask, is it that we're just going to hold on, you know, until this ends, wait day by day, hour by hour, hope for the best. Will we see things crumble around us? Or do you want to decide that we're going to step on that pedestal on that stone and we're going to reach for something that's greater, have a direction, have a sense of drive. And so I was just talking to a client yesterday who was saying, yeah, even in her country and she's not from the U S people are like, hold on, hope you're holding on, you know? And she said, there's an image of you're holding on to the edge of a cliff. How are you hanging on? How are you holding on? And she's like, it doesn't really feel good. You know, after weeks and months of holding on, kind of wonder is there another state or place to be besides how are you holding on you know you mm. only can live in this intensity and this fear for so long so there's almost a need for people to say wait all right how can we re redefine what you want to be experiencing in this time however bad it is what experience do you want from this that's interesting. The, the intensity aspect I hadn't thought about. I hadn't thought about how we're basically all just like hanging out in a giant pressure cooker for three months. Or <laughs> like, hanging on to a tree branch, right? Like how long can you hang on for? <laughs> yeah. And, and it's true. And it's like, we've almost, I mean, and I've talked about this on the podcast before I've thrived during this whole coronavirus shutdown. Like I've had the time of my life. I am working from home. I'm hanging out with my wife. I'm walking my dog in the middle of the day. I'm having the best time. I am never going back to an office ever again, period. Right, um, right. So, so um, I don't know if it's just, I, I tend to have a positivity bias in general in my personality. I'm an eternal optimist, which that means I need pessimists around me to bring me down to earth because I might have an idea and be like, this is the greatest thing ever. And I need somebody to be like, here's everything that can go wrong. Um, but, you know, I have noticed just in general that, yeah, people, we've almost created this like, um, 
this commentary in society to where we might not, and I found myself, I feel like I'm thriving during Corona, but I'm like, Hey, how are you doing? How are you holding on? How are you? It's it's like I'm feeding the narrative, even though I don't believe the narrative. Yes. Yes. And I've seen that in certain companies too, in cultures, it's almost like you get kudos for suffering. How bad are you suffering? I'm not sleeping. You know, how bad is it? There's this, we have a need, I think, to thrive and to go above survival. And even though there are, unfortunate injustices going on right now in our society at the end of the day we all want freedom and the ability to thrive we don't want Mm. to just survive to be on the line anymore to be Mm. holding on all of us yeah i think i think that's in a different way yeah i was about to say i think that statement considering the current environment um which we're recording this on june 4th can be applied to so many different aspects of society at this moment um, well, I mean, just overall, this conversation has been awesome and we're coming up on time. So we gotta, we gotta wrap it up here. But one of the questions that I always ask people is if you could go back to 18 year old, you, so wide eyed, bushy tail, excited to conquer the world. I don't know what you, did you go to college in the States? Yeah, I did in San Diego, UC San Diego. Okay. So you, you've walked onto the campus of UC San Diego It's probably a beautiful day because it's like a beautiful day every day in San Diego. You're ready to conquer the world. But if there's one piece of advice you could give yourself, um, 18-year-old you, current you given 18-year-old you, knowing all that you know about yourself and knowing all that you know in general, what's that one piece of advice you would give yourself? Your future is going to be so beautiful and you don't even know it. Mm. We haven't gotten that one yet. That's really good. Elaborate a little bit on it. I went to school in San Diego, so I spent a lot of time by the beach, at the beach. Jealous. Probably 80% of my time. I, I was somewhat involved socially on campus, but I spent most of my time just relaxing and in my own circle. I was very insular. Mm. And I think it's kind of the city I was in, La Jolla. You just don't have that need to like go and do something. You're just, it's so beautiful. And so there's a part of me that felt like, what am I missing out on that I should be doing? And it wasn't until I studied abroad my junior year in Shanghai that I felt like, wow, life is lively. Living in another country, exploring experiences, meeting different people, like this is life. But I did feel like a part of me felt maybe, I don't even know if I was conscious at that point that I wasn't really living up to my potential. But I think if I were to even be able to look forward to see where I am today, I'd be really happy. It's just sometimes when you're in that moment and you're in what you're doing, you just don't see past it. It's just mm. your life. You know, you're just enjoying day to day, taking it step by step. You might not have that vision 10 years from now. At least I didn't when I was in college yeah. in San Diego. Yeah. Interesting. Well, I, th- I think that's a fantastic answer. And, um, you know, I could, if there's one piece of advice I could give every single college freshman, is like go study abroad somewhere. And preferably go study somewhere abroad somewhere where that makes you uncomfortable. Um, Go experience the world a little bit differently. Go see that everybody does not agree with the worldview that you have, not because they're bad people, but just because they come from a different part of the world. Yeah. That was very humbling when I went abroad (laughs) to experience exactly what you just said. So I got to ask you, why Shanghai? Well, because I wanted to be closer to my roots. Uh, My family is Chinese. I was born and raised in... Los Angeles, California, but I've 
I was raised by my grandparents for the first five years of my life. And I've just always been curious, what is life like abroad? I studied Chinese, but I had no idea. And there was a need to explore and to get to know what that looked like in my heritage. Mm. And ironically, it's not until I went that I felt like, oh, okay, this is why I'm so American. I, I wasn't <laughs> actually seen as a yeah. local, um, but there was something in me that wanted to learn more. And so there yeah. was that curiosity that I followed. Yeah. That wanderlust towards, uh, like, it's almost like a mystical connection to your roots. Like yeah. I was talking to my buddy James about it yesterday or two days ago, you know, how we're connected to our family and to our ancestors in a way that we don't even understand because their blood runs through our veins. And whether we like yeah. it or not, we have that connection. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so here's a here's a chance to plug your services, your businesses. Uh, shameless pitch. How can people get a hold of you? How can people learn more about you? Where uh, website, social media, etc. Let the people know. Yeah, well, people can follow me on social media on Instagram. I'm at Shian, S H I A N two, the number two ignite. Facebook is Shian Chuan Leadership. I think my name will be spelled out in our podcast. Mm -hmm. They can go to my website, shianchuan.com. We'll provide that as well on the podcast, I assume. And if you just want to navigate your career, you want to feel like you want to ignite more of your purpose. You want to match more of your skills, your strengths, your values, the energy of who you are with what you're doing. You really want to step up and lead a mission or to make a change, mobilize people for or something, but you have something in your way, you know, lack of time, clarity, confusion. Um, you just, you're not, you don't want to relive the past anymore and you know, you're ready for something different. So I'll give you that chance for change. I recently was on TV on King five known as giving people a chance for change. This is your time to pivot, to make mm. meaning out of what you're experiencing. And I'm also known as a career whisperer within corporate and fortune 500 companies, helping you find your dream role. And so even though this is a tough time, know that it carries meaning and significance for you. And I'll help you find that as well as how you do it. So find mm. me and I look forward to getting in touch. I offer free consultations. I'm here to support you. I also have a lot of resources on my website. So look forward to seeing you all soon and being in touch. I love it. I love it. And obviously we'll have all the description in the, in the podcast notes so you can click on any, anything and everything. And we'll post it on social media and all that good stuff. But um, Shian, thank you for coming on. This was awesome. I really, I really enjoyed it. Um, for everybody listening, obviously, if you want to get a hold of us, info at mmcip.co. Uh, if you've got you know, compliments, complaints, always criticisms, keyword is constructive criticism. Don't just complain, offer a solution. You can always reach out <laughs> to us. But outside of that, we'll talk to you guys soon. Yeah, thank you, Yavitsa. It's been a pleasure. Thank you.